in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay? So generally, you know, as believers, when we say, read this verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For some reason, you know, because of uh, probably Sunday school or because of our theology and because of whatever we've been uh, taught from childhood, for some reason, we always think to understand that, you know, God created two places. One place was heaven, which was uh, ultra luxury. Another place was earth, which is, you know, below the poverty line or below the standard line. Or it was like a slum. But if you read the Bible carefully from verse 2, it says, Though darkness was hovering over all the earth, the Spirit of God, which was hovering over the waters, spoke, uh, was, was hovering over the waters, and then God spoke, and God said, Let there be light. From there until where man was created, we see that everything was created by God. So if you understand in God's, uh, through God's mind, if you understand through God's heart, then imagine why would a God who is all supreme? Why would a God who is all sovereign? Why would a God who is almighty? Why would a God who is all powerful want to create a place that is uh, below poverty line or want to create a place that is not as good as heaven? So when we see that God created the heavens and the earth until Adam was created, when we see God's involvement in the creation, what we need to understand that is that if God himself has customized the creation, if God himself was involved in, you know, making the entire creation come about on the earth, making the entire vegetation come about, plantation come about, then surely everything was good. When we say good, you know, it is not we who are saying it was good. It is the Bible saying it was good or God was saying it was good. So I'm talking about good in God's standards, not good in our standards. You know, our standards might be low. Like, you know, we go to the Raitu Bazaar and uh, if you find the fruit or the vegetable, which is having good color, and if you find that it, it fits our budget and, you know, once we bargain with the guy and the guy says, okay, we finalized the deal for this rate. If we think, uh, you know, it's according to the budget and the color is nice, it looks free from insects and, you know, it's free from uh, rottenness, it will stay good in the fridge for a few more days, then we say it is good. But when the Bible says everything God created was good, meaning from the time that earth was without form and when darkness was there on the earth, from when God said, let there be light, to the point God created Adam, everything was good or everything was created in God class. It is not good according to our standard. It was good according to God's standards. So when we say God said everything was good, so everything was good according to his standard. Everything was good or everything was created in his class. Okay. So it is not created in our class according to our Raitu Bazaar mindset. It was not created in our standard or, you know, it was not created according to the standard of our Ratnadeep. Okay. When we go to Ratnadeep, we find items and then you think we think this fruit or this vegetable is good. So everything God created, he created in his class and he created in his eyes as if it were good. Now, when God created Adam, God blew into Adam and Adam became a living soul. Now you need to understand once creation is complete and Adam is present, God mandates Adam and tells Adam 
be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion. And if we read the remaining part of Genesis chapter 2, we understand that God's idea for Adam was to be excellent and to expand. Okay, everyone say with me. I need to be excellent and I need to expand. Okay, you can say once again, I need to be excellent and I need to expand. Right. So whichever area of your life you are in right now, okay, God's plan and purpose for your life is that you will be excellent and you will expand. God just doesn't want you to expand without being excellent. That's the reason once you learn to be fruitful, once you learn to multiply, once you learn to subdue, once you learn to have dominion in one area of your life, it will become easy for you to expand to each and every area of your life and exercise the same dominion. But if you're never going to learn about dominion, then it might get tougher for you. As I always say, with spiritual things, this is the principle. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. The less you do it, the harder it becomes. So if you find trouble, okay, if you're finding it hard to pray, then pray a little, it will become easy to pray a little more. If you find it tough to pray and you do not pray, then not praying will become a habit, okay? So whatever you do becomes easy for you and what you don't do becomes hard for you. So when God has commissioned Adam to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue and to have dominion, Genesis chapter 2 says that his vision was to be, he had to be excellent at what he is and then he had to expand. So God did not put Adam on the entire earth. He placed Adam in a garden. Okay, now why in a garden? Because the entire earth was not like a garden. So Adam had to be fruitful. He had to multiply. He had to subdue. And he had to dom have dominion in the garden. And then this garden would spread to the entire earth. Okay, so in the same way, in the new covenant, the garden is our heart. In the new covenant, the garden is our heart. So what are we doing every day? When we spend time in the presence, when we spend time in worship, when we spend time listening to the word like this, when we spend time applying wisdom, when we use the word, we meditate the word, and you know, we take the word and we apply it to our life, what are we doing? We are tending a garden. Why are we tending a garden? Because as we tend the garden of our hearts, we will be able to expand to each and every area of our life, and we will be able to expand God's dominion, God's kingdom, through the whole earth, okay? So the garden is very important because if you fall in the garden, remember, if you fall in the garden, you will never have an impact on the earth. If you fall in the garden, what happened? Adam fell in the garden, so he was put out of the garden. Now he did not have the capacity, though he was on the earth, he did not have the capacity to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, and to have dominion. That's the reason as a believer in Christ, as a new covenant believer, the garden of your heart is the most important aspect of your life. Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. You know, every issue of life is starting flowing from your heart. So if you are able to uh, garden your heart, or if you are able to nurture your heart, then there is nothing that shall be impossible for you. So now we see God gave Adam dominion and Adam fell. So when Adam fell, we call his fall as sin. Okay, we call his disobedience as sin. That's why Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, so what is sin? Sin, uh, let's take some views about sin so that we are able to understand how are we addressing sin. Because throughout this week, we'll be talking about spirit, soul, and body. 
we'll be talking about being free from addictions and we'll be talking about how to tap into immortality okay so what is sin a sin is separation from god sin is to miss the mark sin is to have a distorted mindset when i say it is to have a distorted mindset it can be uh, having a distorted mindset about god it can be about having a distorted mindset about ourselves as a result of having a distorted mindset about god and it can be having a distorted mindset about our purpose as a result of having a distorted mindset about ourselves then skin sin can also be uh, thinking inferior to the thoughts of the supreme one towards us okay so as i told you sin can be separation okay sin can be a distorted mind or sin can be missing the mark okay so when adam fell all these things can be seen in his life he got separated from god he missed the mark that god gave him and he had a distorted mind how do we know he had a distorted mind the three areas of his life the way he see or saw god the way he saw himself and the way he saw his purpose everything changed instead of seeing god as somebody who would come to embrace him he saw god as a judgmental figure as an angry figure who was coming to whack him instead of seeing himself as somebody who was put in charge of uh, the garden as instead of seeing himself as somebody who had to face god head on or somebody who has to face who had to face god face to face now he started uh, seeing himself as somebody who was going to hide and instead of being somebody who would be fruitful and multiply he used the same leaves okay to cover himself that is instead of dominating the creation he was using the creation as a cover up okay so we see all these things that you know through all these things he started thinking of himself very inferior to the way actually god was seeing him now we understand that jesus came so that he came to undo the effects of sin okay so this is what you need to understand because uh, all through my youth okay this is when the faith movement was rising and whenever i would hear the faith preachers it would not make sense to me because i thought they are not spiritual i thought the people who are actually talking about heaven and hell are spiritual because they are actually talking about us going to god but later i realized that you know word itself says god has given us faith to overcome the world we are not to be overcome by the world being overcome by the world is to succumb to death as a result of being in the cycle of sin okay or disobedience or the cycle of flesh now when we understand that god's purpose for original intention for adam was to be on the earth to be fruitful to multiply to subdue to have dominion to be excellent and to expand now we cannot say that jesus came to take us out of earth and into heaven because god had a original intention and that was man shall live on earth man shall be the god to earth man shall be fruitful multiply subdue have dominion on earth this concept of death only came through sin death came through sin so we cannot now claim that death is a gateway to god or we cannot claim now that death is a door to god why because death is a result of sin death is not a result of christ so jesus came to undo what adam had done and if jesus came to undo what adam had done jesus should not only be taking care of our sin but jesus be should be taking care of death and this week is a very important week because you've been journeying with me for past 4 5 weeks and this week 
we are going to look into deep things as to how to break the cycle of death in our life. So Jesus came not only to take care of sin, but also to deal with the issue of death. Now, when Jesus has come to us, he has restored us with the original mandate. Now, think about it, my friend. If God is saying that because Adam sinned, now I will send my son to take care of sin and death. And then God is saying, now man's purpose has changed. It is no longer to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion, but it is to come up to heaven. What are we telling about God? We are telling about God that God has actually changed his mind because of Adam and his sin. Then we are saying that sin is so powerful that it can change the original intention, the original mandate, the original commission of God. That is why people embrace death so easily because they think that is the gateway to heaven. No, no, it is not the gateway to heaven. The original intention, the original idea of God remains. Why? Because he is all supreme, because he is all powerful, and then he is sovereign. If he is all supreme, he is all powerful, and if he is sovereign, then his original idea should not change. That means sin is not so powerful to tell God, hey God, hey uh, Mr. God, change your idea. Man shall not live on earth anymore. Man shall depart to heaven because I sin have come into the earth. No, no, sin is not that powerful, okay? Adam is also not so powerful. Neither is that so powerful. This is a man-made religious idea where we have hyped up or where we have elevated going to heaven concept more than ruling and reigning on this earth, okay? God's idea is that we should rule and reign on this earth. Imagine, my friend, whom will you reign over in heaven? Or whom will you rule over heaven? If everyone is a saint, whom will you rule over? God's idea is to for you to not be overcome by the world. God's idea is for you to overcome the world. So we understand that Jesus came and Jesus came to deal with sin. When he came to deal with sin, he also came to deal with death. Now, if Jesus came to deal with sin and if he has reconciled me with God, because we read in the Bible that, you know, we have the ministry of reconciliation, that Jesus is the only mediator between man and God. And Jesus is the one who has reconciled us to God. So if Jesus has solved the issue of suppression, if Jesus has solved the issue wherein we are reconciled to God 100%, then there should be a way, there should be a path where man should be able to experience freedom from death. I'm talking about freedom from physical death. And this is how religion has kept believers in a bondage. Okay, Religion has told believers that you can find freedom for your soul from sin, you cannot find freedom for your body from death. And religion has actually told that the very enemy of Jesus, who is death, is actually the door or the gate for the believer to reach Jesus. Okay? How funny religion is. You know, that is how religion twists are. If you read the book of Romans, it's very clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. So whom does death come by? Sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. God doesn't gift death to anyone. If somebody dies, it is because of his own choices and because of his own belief system. So as a believer, we need to be very conscious that we do not believe death or we are not conscious of death. Because when we are conscious or we believe death, we are directly or indirectly making a choice. We are opening the door for death to enter us. So as we continue this Bible study throughout this week, I just want to encourage you, 
read the bible for yourself my friend especially read romans chapter 6 romans chapter 7 and romans chapter 8 at your home okay every day before the bible study please read romans chapter 6 romans chapter 7 and romans chapter 8 when you read romans chapter 6 romans chapter 7 romans chapter 8 please read it in king james version at the same time uh, read it in amplified classical version okay and if you have one more version you can read it in that version okay because many times i see people reading king james and they don't understand that they can't come up with their own interpretation so let's look at some verses today from romans chapter 6 to understand whether it is really god's will for us to break out from the cycle of death reading from romans chapter 6 and verse verse 1 okay what shall we say to this are we to remain in sin in order that god's grace may multiply and overflow okay so it's asking a direct question shall we remain in sin so that god's grace and uh, mercy might overflow in our life okay now come to the last verse of romans chapter 6 i read you the first verse and the last verse i'm going to explain everything to you in detail okay verse 22 and 23 in the end but now since you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of god you have your present reward in holiness and its end in eternal life okay it doesn't say after you are ended you will have eternal life or it doesn't say after you die you will have eternal life verse 23 for the wages which sin pays is death but the bountiful free gift of god is eternal life through and in union with jesus christ our lord okay so you're going to read romans chapter 6 i'm just going to give you a brief about it right now okay romans chapter 6 starts off saying shall we continue in sin so that the grace of god and the mercy of god might overflow to us it's saying like that because we claim that where sin abounds their grace abounds right where sin abounds their grace abounds but the purpose of grace as we read in hebrews chapter hebrews chapter 2 is that Jesus by the grace of God has tasted death for every man so what does grace do grace not only sets you free from condemnation grace not only empowers you with the holy spirit but grace always comes to you with a voice grace always comes to you with a unction grace always comes to you with a leading of the holy spirit and the function of grace is so that you might enjoy the taste of eternal life now jesus help now jesus tasted death for you so grace of god which has tasted death for you is now going to help you taste life so that when you taste life you will be free from death so many believers are dying not because death has encountered them but because they are not encountering life on a daily basis so they claim to be believers they claim that jesus is their lord and savior they do not understand that when they say jesus is a savior what has jesus saved them from jesus can't be saving you from sin and not be saving you from death so when they say jesus is a savior they need to understand that they are saying jesus has saved me from sin and if effect and its effects which is death so now romans chapter 6 says shall we continue in sin because grace and mercy will overflow where sin abounds so we need to understand that the grace sets us free from sin the grace sets us free from condemnation grace has tasted death on our behalf but the purpose of grace in our life is so that we might taste life so that we might enjoy life so that we might inhabit life 
so that we might experience life and life in its fullness. So what does grace do? Grace allows our soul to prosper in such a way that we might keep our body, which remember, your body is an instrument of sin if you allow it to. If we might keep our body free from sin, and as a result of keeping our body free from sin, we will be mortifying our fleshly deeds. And as a result of mortifying our fleshly deeds, we will also be allowing the resurrection spirit of Christ, which is there on the inside of us, to immortalize or to revitalize or to regenerate our physical body. Okay? So to explain you better, it's like this. Your body is, is uh, bound to go towards death or life. Grace will always tell you things, always teach you things, will always lead you in a way, will always show you a path so that your body might achieve life and immortality. Grace will not teach your body things that will lead to death. Okay? So that is the reason we should never ask, some people ask questions like, uh, is it okay to do drugs? Is it okay to drink alcohols? Is it okay to drink cigarettes? Those are two big things, okay? The, those are things which have a strict no. But grace in itself will teach us to not to do some things which might look very good or very common to the general man because grace is now teaching you to keep your body free from being an instrument of sin or free from being an instrument that will lure you into sin, right? So the function of grace is so that you might have the life of God in abundance, in eternity, Yes, in abundance, in its entirety, now on earth. And thereby, your body might experience the resurrection power of Christ, which is already there in you. Now, remember this, my friend. Adam was a living soul. Jesus was a living spirit. The first Adam was a living soul. The last Adam is a living spirit. Now, the, when we were in first Adam, we did not have the spirit to prosper our soul. Because our soul was dead towards God, it was alive towards sin. But when we are in the last Adam, we are dead to sin and we are alive to God. So when you read this chapter, you will also understand that it says, reckon yourself dead to sins and alive to God. That means what? You know, when a dog barks, when a dog barks, what do you do? You're walking on the road and a dog barks, the dog is coming behind you, what do you do? You immediately turn, you try to take a stone or you immediately try to shout at the dog. If a dog is a small one, if the dog is a big one, you try to run away. A hefty person like me not, might not be scared of big dogs also. So it differs from person to person, right? <laughs> right? My daughter is small, she doesn't understand dogs. So even though she is small, she tries to hit the big dogs. So it's different, okay? But you know, when a dog barks, what do you do? Basically, you respond back to the dog. Why? Because it is a barking dog, you understand that it is a living dog, okay? But imagine you're going on the road, and you know, a dog is dead there and you can feel the stink of the dead dog. What do you do? You try to pass by that place as soon as possible. Why? Because you know that dog is dead and it is stinking. Okay. So as a believer, you are to respond to sin as you respond to a dead dog. But many believers are trying to respond to sin as they are responding to an alive dog. And because they try to hit the barking dog, because they try to run with the barking dog, they fall into sin. But, you know, Bible says we are dead to sin. Dead to sin means what? Our body is no longer conscious or our body is no longer active towards sin, the nature of sin. 
okay not the act of sin the nature of sin now it is only when we activate our consciousness towards the nature of sin there comes a danger of activating ourselves towards the act of sin so you know uh, sin comes in many forms lust pride you know different forms whichever form sin comes in you know when sin comes okay you need to understand that it looks like it is barking it looks like it is chasing you it looks like it is craving for your attention but you need to understand by the revelation of the word of god by by the revelation of the finished work of christ that sin is no longer an alive dog sin is a dead dog so if sin is a dead dog what i will try to do if the dead dog is thinking i will try to do my do something best in my capacity to be away from the stink of this dead dog and that is how i treat sin i treat myself as dead to sin i treat sin as if it is dead to me i do not go into a debate with sin i do not wait on sin i do not you know uh, play around with sin or i do not wait on sin why because the reason we die is because we are going to entertain sin okay now i know men of god die i know evangelists also die i know good believers also die i know uh, you know many uh, uh, pious people also die uh, spiritual people also die but what you need to understand is even not believing in immortality and life is a sin okay so if you are going to be everything god has called you to be if you are going to be a generation of believer a uh, believer that is going to tap into the immortal incorruptible power of god then you can base your trust in god or you can trace uh, uh, place your belief in god on the revelation of the past decades we honor every man of god we honor everybody who is there in the cloud of witnesses but we need to know the truth for ourselves we need to be deeply acquainted and deeply know that it is god's will for me to have life it is god's will for me to enjoy my body being free from sin and my body free being free from death so today's take away as you read romans chapter 6 is you know sin uses your body as an instrument either through your eyes either through your ears either through the words of your mouth either through your temper you know being angry being impatient even everything that your body does sin uses your body as an instrument you need to be practicing yourself as a person who is alive to god and dead to sin you know sometimes believers are trying to play the dual role they are trying to be alive to god and they are also trying to be alive to sin you know you can, it's called spiritual adultery when you are you know married to two people so if you are married to christ you have divorced sin and that old wife sin has died so because that old wife sin has died you cannot use your body as an instrument of sin let's just pray right now my friend and i request you do not forget to read romans chapter 6 romans chapter 7 romans chapter 8 this week from tomorrow we'll be talking uh, each verse in detail or you know a uh, passage of verses in detail it will be helpful for you please read it in king james version and also read it in amplified classical version father i pray for everyone right now under the unction of my voice as your word brings light as your word brings conviction as your word brings truth in such a way father that the truth is able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit the truth is able to divide asunder the matters of the soul and the body the truth is able to discern between the thoughts of 
flesh and the thoughts of the spirit. The truth is able to discern those things that are in our life that are working as instruments of sin. Those things that are enticing our bodies to become instruments of sin, Father. I pray by the light, by the light of Christ, by the revelation of the finished work of Christ, I pray that light will shine in every mind, light will shine in every heart, Father, so that we would be able to steward our heart correctly, Father. It is your intention and your desire, Father, that as we steward our heart correctly, Father, that we will become fruitful, we will become multiplying, we will be able to subdue, dominate in each and every area of our life, and this garden of our heart, Father, will become the force when our pleasure is found in you, Father, that our heart will become the force, Father, through which we will be able to reach the ends of the earth, Father. We thank you and we bless you, Father. Let your grace, let your mercy, let your goodness and your light shine in every heart, Father. And this week, Father, as we work on taming our body, Father, help us, Father, that we might be free from the cycle of death, Father, and we might tap into the pleasures of immortality, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.